Welcome to episode two of season two of YMBA, a podcast brought to you by UCLA Anderson. I'm your host and 2017 grad, Alex Grodnick. Today on the pod, Hugh Chang, who was the director of strategy at the Gates Foundation. Hugh began his career as he described in the hardcore tech side of engineering. He came to business school to explore opportunities that would allow him to collaborate with teams, like possibly in product management or maybe marketing. After business school, Hugh began his journey working for Microsoft and ultimately the Gates Foundation. When I left Microsoft, I did really a few things that got me onto my current path. One was I actually ran into a woman, her name was Patty Stonecipher, who was the original CEO of the Gates Foundation. And Patty was my boss's boss at Microsoft, but I had had the opportunity to engage with her a couple of times, and so we sort of knew each other. After I left Microsoft, I ran into her in Redmond at a store. We started chatting, and she asked me what I was doing, and she invited me to come down to talk to a couple of different people at the Gates Foundation. This chance encounter would set off a career transformation that unlocked Hugh's drive to make a different type of impact. Let's get into Hugh's journey, detailing the transformation from a fast-paced tech job to the world of global health. It has been an interesting journey. My family has been very patient with me as, as I've changed directions a few, few different times. The seeds for thinking about helping our communities was planted by my parents. So I grew up in the Midwest, in St. Louis, mostly, and my parents were Chinese immigrants. They came over around 1950, and in St. Louis, especially in the uh, 60s and 70s, there were not that many Chinese families, and one of the things that they did was help to start the St. Louis Chinese Society. So they sort of set very early an example of volunteering, and one of the key things that has always interested me and actually has been a common thread throughout this journey from being in the tech world to being in the global health world has been this focus on innovation as a source of impact. Innovation as a source of impact is such an interesting concept. I'd love to go a little deeper on the subject. You know, I was always fascinated with technologies and how those things can change people's lives. After getting my undergraduate degree from UC Davis in electrical engineering, I started working in uh, the tech industry. I was initially at Texas Insurance on their semiconductor work and then moved to computer hardware design at a company called Sun Microsystems. And through, through those two experiences, I really got my hands dirty with the, that technology with designing. I was designing a memory subsystem for a computer workstation and recognized that while that was interesting, what I was also interested in was working with people and working with teams. That's actually part of the reason why I went back to school, to UCLA, to the Anderson schools for my, for my MBA. And that experience was really transformative for me. I think there are a lot of people who go back to business school with the goal of sort of shifting their careers. And I certainly took advantage of that by shifting from really the hardcore tech side of the engineering work to more of the product management and marketing side, uh, side of the world. 
of course, the biggest benefit that I got out of my time at uh, Anderson was meeting my wife. <laughs> um, so she and I were in the same section as we started, and that was where our relationship got started. And it's gone strong for over 30 years now and three kids and this whole windy career path that, that I've been on. Ah, that's just a really sweet story. I actually have friends who met at Anderson and got married from there too. I know, like so many people, you found your way to business school by figuring out what was missing. I know that's what I did. So tell us, what happened next? After finishing at Anderson, I went to Microsoft and it was a terrific time to be at Microsoft. I was at Microsoft from 1990 to 1999 and it was a tremendous growth period for them. We as sort of newly minted MBAs came on board and were quickly given the, uh, the opportunities to sort of prove ourselves and to take on greater responsibilities to move in new product directions. It was a incredible learning experience. And there is no doubt that being a part of that company during such a critical time allowed the innovation that we were working on to have impact on millions, billions of people worldwide. The other thing that happened was this growing desire to have a different type of impact. As I said, no doubt that Microsoft impacted the world and that I contributed to that impact. But I wanted to have a different type of impact. That was certainly an impact on how people did their work and you know used computers in their lives. I wanted to have a much more, I guess, specific or explicit social impact to my work. This is the time of that rainy day visit to the mall. It's funny how just as you're beginning to want something different in your career, the universe presents an opportunity for you to get it. So Hugh left Microsoft for the Gates Foundation. It was a terrific experience. I, I learned about global health. I learned about a lot of the different ways that you can create and intervene in improving people's health in the developing world. But I felt like I still needed to have more of a technical background in the area. So the second thing that I did was I left that position as a consultant to the Gates Foundation and enrolled in the graduate program for bioengineering at the University of Washington. So my career trajectory has been to be very technical. That was what I was, was as a uh, electrical engineer, become more generalist as I went into the business world. And then this was a swing back towards the very technical side and had initially enrolled with the idea of getting a PhD in bioengineering, which would have made my parents very happy because then one of their kids would have had a PhD. But about halfway in, I realized I didn't necessarily want to be a, become an academic and therefore the PhD might not necessarily have been required. And I had the opportunity to switch to a master's program and finished with my master's in bioengineering. After Hugh gets his master's, he works on a project funded by a grant from the Gates Foundation before ultimately returning to the foundation. Then as I finished my bioengineering degree, ended up working with them on an interesting project that combined the sort of new understanding that I have of biotechnologies, my business skills, and some of my strategy background. And 
that was in trying to create a global health venture capital fund where there was a new source of capital, equity capital, that we thought could be used to advance global health technologies. Our biggest problem was we tried to go out and raise the capital for that fund in 2008, which was not a good year to try out and go out and raise any kind of fund. So that fund was not successful in being started, but it triggered a lot of good ideas for how to blend philanthropic capital with folks who wanted to be social investors, but still wanted some kind of return, not necessarily market returns. And some of the principles that we developed in that fund were then replicated in a larger fund that the Gates Foundation ultimately raised a number of years later called the Global Health Investment Fund that they, the Gates Foundation did in collaboration with J.P. Morgan. What you're talking about here is the idea of doing well by doing good something a lot of companies are pursuing these days. And I mean, what millennial, myself included, isn't interested in something like that? Let's jump back in to Hugh's journey. That was my winding path from, you know, being a nerd designing computer memory subsystems to ultimately the last position I held at the Gates Foundation was the director for their maternal newborn and child health program. And what a path it's been, Hugh. As you look back on it now, what role, if any, do you think luck played in it? I definitely feel like I have hugely benefited from serendipity and from good luck. What I would also say, though, is that I think the choices that I made enabled me to take advantage of the good luck that I experienced. So there is no doubt that, you know, choosing to go to Microsoft in, in 1990. When I did that, my starting salary at Microsoft was lower than what my salary was for when I was to be a hardware design engineer at Sun Microsystems. There was a risk that I was taking, and I didn't know whether that risk would pay off or not. My wife and I made a decision to move to a city where we neither of us knew anybody to start our new lives. And you know, I could have easily gone back to someplace in the Bay Area where the growth would not have been as significant as Microsoft. The opportunity for learning and for cre developing new skills would not have been as great. No, I can't imagine it would have. So I have to ask, what's next for you, Hugh? I spent some time trying to think about what unique value do I think I bring to organizations? And where I started to, and I talked to a lot of my friends who I worked with at Microsoft, who I worked with at the Gates Foundation, who I worked with at PATH. And one thing that they pretty consistently provided in feedback is that I'm able to get people to trust me. And I believe that part of the way that I'm able to get people to trust me is because I listen to what they have to say, and I have the ability to translate things that person A says into ways that person B can understand. And in doing that, build this trust that I'm not gonna misrepresent ideas, and that because I build that trust, I get access to a lot of different information. People are willing to share things with me that maybe they're not otherwise able to share or that they are worried that if they share will be taken out of context. And by getting access to that diversity of information, I'm able to 
find a way through what is sometimes very ambiguous situations to get to a solution that can move everybody forward. I think the thing that I have to guard against is often making sure that the solution is not the lowest common denominator, that the solution is the optimal solution. That groundwork for listening to and learning from different perspectives was actually one of the things that I think I learned at business school because I, I have this memory of taking a, well, two, two different memories. One is taking a production operations management class from Dr. Yost. And we were doing this case on the fashion industry. Now, I'm a computer hardware engineer sitting in this production operations management class. We're doing a case on production of clothing in the fashion industry for which I know nothing about. And, you know, I'm working with a team and there's a guy who has some finance background. There weren't that many people who had, had experience in the, in the fashion industry. But hearing how pe different people approach the problem helped me understand different considerations like how long is the production cycle for making clothing? And if you design something in one season, is it out of fashion the next season? And so, you, you know, how important are our forecasts to, to all of that? Getting people from different backgrounds to share their experiences was really a good way to understand how you can leverage the skills of people around you and together come up with a better solution than any one of you could have come up with on your own. Similarly, in, a, uh, in the finance class that Bill Cockrum used to give, you know, I was scared to death to answer any of those questions because I knew nothing about finance, but teaming up with people who did understand finance and then who did understand some of the industries that we were doing these finance cases on really just helped me appreciate how much knowledge people have and how, if you can access that knowledge, you can actually create better solutions. You may be the most talented person I've met at identifying what's missing in his career and then finding a way to fill that gap. He wanted to get out of his hardware engineering role and into something more collaborative, so he comes to business school. Then he wants to have a different type of impact and improve the health of people around the world. So he goes back to school again and gets a job at arguably the most prolific social impact organization there is. Yes, like most people who come on this podcast, Hugh admittedly had luck on his side, but rarely is that enough to do all that Hugh has accomplished. Not only was he strategic in how he moved through his career, but the insights that he gained are just incredible, especially what he learned about the precise value he brings to an organization. That self-awareness is precisely what I think allowed Hugh to take advantage of those lucky opportunities and turn them into a truly incredible career. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Stay with us as we have many more amazing stories ahead on this season of YMBA.